Well, hey there, Thrivers. How you doing out there? I know times are tough and strange, and uh, I'm right there with you. We've been talking a lot about this in the Thriver Circle, my membership community, the last few weeks. Uh, I actually instituted weekly chats in there. We used to do it monthly, but I thought now is the best time to really ramp up, you know, connection and support with each other and between each other. So we've been having some debriefs each week in there about how we're coping with the COVID-19 and um, pandemic and what's happening in our countries and to our businesses. So that's been really good. Uh, huge thanks and hugs to all the Thriver Circle members who've been participating in that. I know you've been finding that helpful. And hey, if you're not a member and you'd like to jump on in and you can afford to jump on in right now, uh, head on over to thrivercircle.com and uh, you can join us over there. And today, uh, I actually recorded this before the whole thing kicked off uh, in late February, and uh, it's a topic that I've been thinking about for a while, and I thought it was time to chat about it, and that is how to name your handmade business. I've named quite a few businesses over the years, and I've also counseled a lot of people who've named businesses, and I kind of have seen the same sort of issues crop up and the same uh, things you need to check out. So I put this together. It's basically a list of nine steps to follow when you're thinking about naming a new business, whether that's, you know, you want to start from scratch, you don't have a business yet, or you want to start a second business, or you uh, want to rebrand and uh, change your business name and, and branding, hopefully this episode will be useful to you because uh, if you follow these nine steps, chances are you are going to end up with a business name that really reflects who you are, what you do without being obvious about it, but I'll talk more about that, and that you're really, really happy with and that ticks all of the, the logic boxes as well. So this is episode 225 of the Great and Thrive podcast. Let's get into it. This episode is also available as a video over on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to check that out, head on over to youtube.com forward slash Jess Van Den to watch that right now. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name is Jess Van Den and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full time in 2010. And since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers just like you create and grow successful handmade businesses. So are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. So the first thing you want to do when you think about naming your business is just brainstorm. Just think about, you know, what your business is about, what you sell, uh, you, your life, your dreams, whatever, just blue sky, write down as many possibilities as you can possibly think of and sort of sit with that for a little while. Uh, you know, run through, keep a big list, add to it as you go, give it a few good few days, I would say, in this part of the process to try to get down any word or any name that you could potentially possibly like for your business name. Look to other languages, look to hobbies, look to books you've read, look to videos, every, everything in your life. Have a look around and see what words might potentially appeal to you and write them down. That is step one, just having something to start with. It may not be where you end up. In fact, the name you use might not even be on that list, but it's good to have a whole bunch of possibilities to start with. So once you have that list of possibilities, I'm going to give you nine pieces of advice or steps to follow in order to narrow that list down and hopefully find the right name for your business. Now, I've named three businesses 
in my life. Uh, actually, no, I lie. I've named four, five, five businesses. <laughs> There's a couple I don't do anymore. I've kind of forgotten about, but I've named five businesses in my life. And the very first one was Ethereal, my jewelry business. And I applied very few of these criteria to that because back then I had no idea what I was doing and I didn't really think about it. I just picked an, a word I liked and went with that. Uh, I've learned a lot since then. Uh, obviously, when I named Create and Thrive, that was a very deliberate name. Uh, my other podcast that I run, The Business of Making, we agonized over that name for a long time because we wanted it to be very specific and appeal to a very specific demographic. Create and Thrive is much more broad and Maybe if I had my time over again, I might actually narrow that down a little bit because uh, I am speaking to a very specific audience here. I'm speaking to the handmade community. And so maybe having that in there could have been good. But with the name Create and Thrive, I have a little bit more leeway. And of course, my jewelry business, Ethereal, well, that could mean anything, right? So you'll see as I go through these nine steps, how the evolution of that naming process has come about and also this is not a one-size-fits-all different types of businesses are going to have different names and that also goes for products like if you have services or products you have to name those things as well so a lot of these points are going to be um, relevant to that but let's start with number one and that is don't pick something too specific or too boring <laughs> you don't want a really boring name that's just kind of forgettable but you also don't want to, you don't want something so specific that you box yourself in and never have the chance to expand. I'll give you an example. A lot of makers I work with use like the name of their craft in their business name. So, so-and-so jewelry, so-and-so um, bags, uh, so-and-so dresses or clothing or whatever. And, you know, I think if you are, if you have like a brick and mortar shop, and you only sell that one specific type of thing maybe but even then i think boxing yourself in by doing that really limits your potential for what you might want to do what if you make bags now but you evolve in your sewing journey and you decide you start want to start making clothes what do you do with your business name same with jewelry what if i decide to start making uh, something else completely different candles what if I want to start making woodwork and I want to instead of starting a whole new business uh, the stuff I'm making fits in with the aesthetic of what I've already been making or I just want to pivot that business in a new direction so see what I'm saying here about narrowing down too much you don't need to put necessarily the name of the thing you make into the business name because once people land on your website or your Instagram or your brick and mortar shop or whatever it might be it's going to be pretty obvious pretty quickly what you sell uh, and you can use keywords and tags online in your product descriptions and in other areas of your website to bring in those shoppers so it doesn't have to be in your business name you know when I name again when I named Create and Thrive I didn't call it anything very specific same with the business of making you know we have a podcast but we, and that is the business of making podcast but it's a subset of our overall name which is the business of making which could make could refer to a whole bunch of different things uh, so number two is kind of related to this and it's don't use weird spellings or initials if possible this is just because it's hard for people to hear it and then remember it and type it in. Things with initials can be a little bit clumsy, a little bit forgettable, uh, weird spellings, you know, same thing. 
what's going to happen these days is they're going to type it into Google or whatever search engine and it's going to get auto-corrected into the closest real spelling of that word and it was going to make it harder probably for people to find your business. So, you know, you see this a lot with some businesses who like put a K instead of a C in a, into a word or uh, Flickr is the perfect example, the old photo sharing site that just had an R on the end instead of actually typing the word out, stuff like that, you know, f- fiddling around with it. And you'll see from my jewelry business name, Ethereal, I totally b- broke this rule, like blew it out of the water. <laughs> it's hard to spell. Uh, it's not a real word. I actually made it up. Now, that's not necessarily a problem. Like think about there's other businesses out there, Google. I mean, that is a real word, but it's not a word people were really familiar with, right? It's it's kind of a um, very unusual and not well-known word. Uh, some businesses have made up their own words and it's been really successful. And look, I don't know that it's hurt my business because um, it, the one good thing about having a word like that, that is spelt weird or that is a new uh, word that you've completely created is that you get all of the things <laughs> which I'm about to talk about. That's actually number three. Can you get the dot com? Uh, yes. If you make up a word, chances are you're going to be able to get the dot com for it, which is fantastic. Uh, and at number four, can you get all the social media handles? Again, most likely the answer to that is yes. So there is an upside to that. But if you do have a, a you know a made up word or a strange spelling, just be aware that it might be harder for people to find you if they hear it. So whenever I say ethereal, my business name, most people hear ethereal, which is a word, but it's spelled quite differently. And it you know, if someone types that into ethereal jewelry into the search engine, they're probably going to get a whole bunch of results that aren't me. But if they hear the, the pH sound ethereal, they might have some hope of typing something that's approximately right <laughs> and finding me. So, you know, hopefully that's what happens. And I do get a lot of people actually searching. I can see in my search terms, probably because they've seen it somewhere else. But, you know, that. It, it can be a double-edged sword. It can work really, really well if you get it right, but if you get it wrong, it can really hurt your searchability and findability uh, online. So that was up to number four, which was can you get all the social media handles? Um, number five is really important, and that is, is it a name that someone else is already using? It's getting harder and harder to find a business name that no one else is, has used yet. Uh, so you need to do your due diligence here. If you come up with a name, uh, now this happened when we were doing the business of making, uh, we are, were like, okay, we need the .com, we need the social media, and we need a hashtag as well. So can we find a business name that's not already in use that we can get access to all these things? And it took us quite a few tries to find the right thing. So what you want to do, obviously, is you want to look on all the social media platforms. You want to check the .com. You've already done that. Great. Then go a bit deeper. Uh, if you're selling handmade, go and search Etsy for that business name. Um, just Google it and like dive into a couple of uh, pages worth of results and make sure there's nothing competing. Where, and wherever you live, you want to also look on your local business register. So here in Australia, I'd look up you know Australian business names register through ASIC, and I might also want to look at my my state, you know, business registrations in my state. So whatever that is where you are, you want to look up and make sure nobody else in your area is using the same business name because that you won't be able to register it and it will 
potentially cause you legal issues down the track. So, you know, there's a few great stories of big businesses that have come a cropper with this. Um, a fun one is the a hamburger chain Burger King in America. Here in Australia, it's called Hungry Jack's because when they wanted to expand to Australia, there was already a burger place here called Burger King who owned the rights to the name. So they couldn't use that name in Australia. They had to come up with something different. So they went with Hungry Jack's. And I mean, that's one of those things I didn't know till I was like in my like teens and went to America. And I'm like, what's this Burger King business? It's the same business. Why is that? You know, because they had to change the name in a different country. So that sort of thing, if you're working internationally, which most of you probably are now online, you want to make sure that you're not competing with people in other places, which is, you know, legally, maybe not so much of a problem, but uh, when it comes to ranking well and getting found, you don't want to be competing against another um, company in another country that is doing really well on all of the you know google and all of those social platforms with the name that you want to use because it's just going to make things more difficult for you so do a really uh, in-depth search and make sure nobody else is using the exact same name um, the next one is don't make it too hard to spell <laughs> that's kind of related to the don't use the weird spellings but you know, don't make it too long. Don't make it too complicated. Try to keep it short and simple as much as you possibly can. So say, for example, you have a last name that's not common where you live. And it's hard to spell for the native speakers of wherever you are. You might want to take that and alter it slightly. I'll give you an example. One of my dad's friends has a business. He has a Polish last name or Czechoslovakian last name, not sure which. And um, he when he started his business many, many years ago, this was like the 70s or the 80s, he realized that people could not spell his name because when an English speaker heard it, they would have spelt it completely differently. So what did he do? He took his name and he anglicized it for his business name so that when people tried to look him up in the yellow pages back in the day, it was easy for them to find because it was spelt the way they expected it to be spelt. Things like that might be a way around it and a way to create a word that makes more sense and is more easily found by people. Uh, for example, my own name, my last name is not Van Den. My full last name is Van Den Wassenberg. But when I decided to go into business, I decided to drop the Wassenberg because just Van Den is much catchier and snappier and shorter and easy to remember. So you might want to do something like that. You know, it's still my name. It's just a variation of my name. So make it easy, make it short and sweet and simple. Try to make it as memorable as possible and as simple uh, for people or a phrase or a word that makes sense and that sticks in the mind, like the business of making, you know, that's four words, but it's a phrase that's really memorable and it, it kind of twigs in people's minds. Same with create and thrive. So that's you know that one next one is uh say it out loud you know how does it sound does it sound good uh, does it sound a bit weird does it does actually saying it make you feel like hey this is a name i'd be proud to say representing my entire business so that's a really important point i think a lot of people skip is it easy for other people to say is it easy for them to pronounce uh, or is it a little bit complicated you can see i broke this rule a bit with my business name ethereal uh, the next one, number eight, is to get feedback. So actually share your potential name with three to five people or more and see what they think of it. See if they have any um, 
feedback on it, positive or negative. If you're in the Thriver Circle, my membership community for makers, you can pop over there and put that in there and ask people's opinion and see what ideas they might have. And they might help you brainstorm as well and come up with variations or better version of the name that's going to work better for your business. And the very last step, and I think a really important one is, does it feel right to you? Is it a name that just you get a gut feeling that, yeah, this is this is right. This is a name I love. It's a name I would be proud to speak. It's a name that I would be proud to share with people that represents my business and what I do in the world. You don't want a name that in five years time is going to make you cringe or, you know, that so it, that's going to in some way you'd be embarrassed by or not happy with down the line. So that's really important to make sure it's a name that you really love and that you're proud of. And, you know, if you find a business name that you feel this way about, but it breaks a couple of the other rules, except for the, you know, name uh, that other people already have rule. I think that's one you probably don't want to break, but you know, maybe it's spelt a bit weird or you can't get the .com. So you have to get the .net, whatever it might be. If it just feels right and you, you really want to go with it, then go with it and use that name. There are ways around most of these rules if you really want there to be. And, you know, like when I think of ethereal, would I change the name? No, uh, even though it breaks some of these rules, it's a word I really love and it's uh, a name that I'm still proud of and happy with today. I like how it feels, how it sounds and how it looks and how it reflects what I do. So that's at the end of the day, what it has to come down to is it has to be a name that you are proud of and proud of using to represent your work in the world. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your community in your Facebook groups, on Instagram, take a screenshot and pop in your Instagram stories and you can tag me at create and thrive. So I see it and I can say hello and reshare it on my stories as well well thank you so much for being here and listening uh things are going to be kind of back to the regu- my regularly scheduled program as of now uh but you know things might come up and i might uh, dive into talking about uh, the pandemic situation in the future but for now i've still got a whole bunch of interviews to bring you with wonderful creatives and i've got a lot of instructional podcasts and videos to bring you as well to help you with your business because while things might be taking a bit of a downturn right now, it's not going to last forever. And uh, when orders are slow is a really good time to work on all the stuff that you never normally get to if you are uh, running a busy business already. And like I said, if you want uh, to you know, hang out with me and all the members of the Thriver Circle and get that private, confidential, uh, really, really lovely and positive support of people who understand exactly what you're going through right now, you can join us over in the Thriver Circle. Uh, I'm also running week, not weekly, we're doing weekly chats. We talked about that at the beginning, but I'm also running monthly live workshops in the circle uh, at the moment, which uh, is really, really fun for me. And I think really useful for all the members as well, getting great feedback on those. Uh, I switched to doing that this year rather than doing pre-recorded workshops. So you have more of a chance to, you know, work with me live and get my feedback live and they're actually designed to do the work while you're there not like oh yeah here's a nice long lecture I listen to it and then I go away and do the work I actually make space for you to do the work in the workshops themselves or at least some of it 
We're going to be talking about things like photography and crafting your perfect thank you message, which right now is more important than ever before. And I'll talk about that in the workshop next month in the circle. So if you do want to come and join us, head on over to thrivercircle.com. I understand it's not going to be um, able for many of you right now, aren't going to be able to afford that with uh, all the economic issues that are happening. And I just want to say a huge thank you to all of the members of the Thriver Circle who are there and who are staying in the community because I couldn't do this podcast. I couldn't afford to do this podcast without the support of the Thriver Circle. Uh, That is what makes this podcast possible are the members in the Thriver Circle. So thank you all of you for being there uh, and being part of the community. I really appreciate you. And thank you for listening. And I'll be back again next week with another episode. Bye for now. 